The Digital Gumbo Podcast contains language that some may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Well, now we're done with that shit. Let's start the show. For the victory lap, though. Whoa, whoa. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer, come work for. Train in the trees, please, one my sycamore. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. America, America, keep the children free. The words of the late great Prince Rogers Nelson. You're listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. I'm your host, Nookie Bishop Jr., joined as always by my co-host, T. Petty, and Idris Elbow. T. Petty, what a week. Is this the week that maybe, possibly could start the change here in America? Well, potentially. This is America, so don't get your hopes up. However, this does feel slightly different than other protests have felt in the past. And it's worldwide in all 50 states. You know, brought out the witches, the Amish, Black Lives Matter, K-pop stands. Who else? Everybody. Everybody and their mama against racism and militarized police. So I'm with it. Absolutely. I hear that. Idris, the week that was, how's it going, bro? And do you see a, a, a change uh, in the tide of uh, just what's happening here in America? What's up, Nikki? What's up, T. Patty? This is your boy, Idris Elbow, with a little bit of ash on your elbow. And I'm feeling extra ashy this week. I mean, extra black this week. You know, this um, racism got me itching. And I'm, I'm, I'm itching and I'm going to scratch it. So let's go. I hear that. I hear that. So look, uh, T. Petty alluded to this. Just let me go through uh, just in, in miniature a couple of the events, and then we'll, we'll take things from there. So as uh, T. Petty said, the largest civil rights protest ever in the history of this country, all 50 states. All 50 states had civil rights protests. Uh, as far as um, the aftermath of the death of George Floyd was concerned, many international countries and territories also, all seven continents, I didn't hear anything about Antarctica, but you best believe that all seven continents had uh, protests, civil rights protests across the globe this week. Uh, peaceful protests are happening now in the second weekend. Uh, again, um, Black Lives Matter was painted on 16th Street in Washington, D.C., leading up to the steps to the White House to remind Orange, uh, you know, every time he leaves and goes from the quote-unquote White House, uh, what time it is. Uh, and we continue to see either Confederacy statues fall by the hands of protesters or that there are acts uh, and things being done to remove them voluntarily. So, uh, Adris, uh, given all that week uh, in miniature, man, just your thoughts on what you saw as far as the um, protests were concerned and, and where we go from here. Let me say this. You can't outdo no black woman. Look, Mayor Muriel Bowser painted Black Lives Matter on a street leading to the White House on 16th Street and then named it Black Lives Matter Plaza. That's why you need a black woman as vice president. And I hope Joe Biden picks a black woman because you can't outdo no black woman. When, they, when you need somebody to come through for you, black women come through. So thank you, Mayor Muriel Bowser. Uh, it's been a crazy week uh, of just the amount of protests and how it's been spreading around the world. I think you know, the world is finally waking up to like white supremacy and racism. And the effect not only is it having on black people, but the entire world. So this week has been different. Um, I hope it's things will be different. Absolutely. I appreciate that, Adrice. Uh, T. Petty, you heard uh, Adrice's words. It takes a black woman. Um, it really seemed in terms of uh, Mayor Bowser painting Black Lives Matter and creating Black Lives Matter Plaza on 16th Street, that it was really a battle for the control of the District of Columbia. So to that, you say what? So I feel two ways about this. On one hand, I agree with Idris. I mean, obviously, Black women are amazing. Um, but in one way, it felt performative. So 
you paint that on the street leading up to the White House, I'm all for it. I'm all for renaming the streets, obviously. Let's do that. But then let's also make sure our actions match the the performance of it all. So what has been her stance on police brutality in the city of Washington, D.C.? Like, do her actions match her words? So Black Lives Matter D.C. says no. So I want to see some more action to go along with the display. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think I read a statistic that maybe 65% uh, maybe closer to 50% of the population of Washington, D.C. is black, but greater than 75%, three-quarters to 80% of all arrests in Washington, D.C. are black citizens. So you're exactly. spot on. Yes. Um, so you're spot on in terms of that. And I think that now with, with everyone riled up together, just not black, just not white, everyone, you know, worldwide uh, coming together to, you know, um, expound on, you know, having police forces uh, defunded and, and money diverted elsewhere to help the citizenry, that I think you're going to see more and more accountability uh, than we have in the past. And, and we'll see uh, what happens. Um, I want to go somewhere with y'all real quick and um, please forgive me. Um, one, we're going to talk about uh, the Minneapolis case with uh, the four uh, cops, uh, obviously, uh, in Minneapolis. Their charges were upgraded. I want to give a shout-out to Minneapolis, uh, specifically in the area where George Floyd was killed. Uh, many of the shop owners, again, had to go ahead and do their cleanup uh, after the aftermath of the riots, but specifically in terms of creating a sanctuary around the, the block uh, area where George Floyd uh, was murdered, um, and also a uh, impromptu shrine and memorial has been set up to him. They have kept it uh, spotless, uh, clean, and pristine, and know that uh, many people from around the world are, are coming to that spot. And shout out to, again to all the volunteers who helped clean up their communities in the aftermath uh, of the riots and protests. Much of the damage, uh, of course, was caused by those who were outside of the community and and uh, some bad actors. Um, but that'll be uh, for another case and another time. But what I want, and I, I talked um, with uh, producer Eric about this, I want to read the last words of George Floyd to really hammer home the point about what this is about. Carl Douglas, a member of the O.J. Simpson defense team, to me the real MVP in terms of uh, Johnny Cochran in that case, um, uh, you know, having that verdict come out that way. But what uh, attorney Carl Douglas said this week is that The George Floyd case is different because we saw for the first time in American history a man narrating his own death. So just let me share George Floyd's last words with you, and then I'll get to your reactions first, T. Petty, and then Adris. So here are George Floyd's last words. It's my face, man. I didn't do nothing serious, man. Please, 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 I can't breathe. Please, man, please, somebody, please, man, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, please, man, can't breathe, my face, just get up, I can't breathe, please, I can't breathe, shit, I will, I can't move, mama, mama, I can't, my knee, my nuts, I'm through, I'm through. I'm claustrophobic. My stomach hurt. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. Some water or something. Please, please. I can't breathe, officer. Don't kill me. They gonna kill me, man. I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. They gonna kill me. They gonna kill me. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, sir. Please, please. Please, I can't breathe. Then George Floyd shut his eyes and he died as a result of his murder. T. Petty, your your thoughts on that, on those strong, strong words? Um, It's heartbreaking and infuriating. Just the thought of him knowing what was happening calling for his mother who had been dead for two years um, and the, the casual disregard of not only Chauvin, but those other three police officers who knew what was happening and did absolutely nothing. It's, 
just another example of the trauma that is visited on our communities day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, with no recourse, little to no repercussions for the people that perpetrate these things against us. And so that's why I'm just like, fuck the police, burn all this shit down to the fucking ground. I don't care what happens if black people are free at the end result of it. Totally agree. Uh, Adris, you heard the words. Um, you know, again, a lot of people have not heard those words. Uh, there were airplanes that were flying over with some of those phrases that I read, some of George Floyd's last words. And I think those last words really hammer home that this police brutality case, as all brutality, uh, as all police brutality cases should, but this police brutality case, this murder of George Floyd is a little different and hits home in a little bit of different way. Your, your thoughts on everything, bro. Nookie, that's, that's the first time I heard those words um, read out loud. And just to um, listen to them is not only heartbreaking, but it incenses me. Um, I was listening to the George Floyd funeral service um, this week, and his nephew spoke, and they spoke about George and his life. And one of the stories his nephew told was that he was a huge LeBron James fan. And when LeBron James won a championship, George Floyd felt like he won a championship as well. And whenever George and his nephew would talk, they would say, I won a championship. Because George Floyd saw LeBron James as him, right? And it's this thing that we have as black men that when I see another black man, I see myself. So when I watched George Floyd dying, it was almost like I was watching myself die or watching my son die or Nookie watching you die. And I, it's indescribable the amount of pain that George Floyd felt narrating his own death and the amount of pain that not only black men felt, but black women, black people. And it's just indescribable. Definitely indescribable. Um, again, uh, when I heard those words, man, this week uh, on one of the broadcasts that came across, uh, you know, you saw bits and pieces, but to have those words put together really uh, outlines the seriousness and the gravity of this. So rest in peace, uh, George Floyd, uh, as the, um, I believe the state's attorney or the, uh, um, uh, the, the government official, I'm not sure who's going to be prosecuting the case. I believe it's the Hennepin County uh, District Attorney said it's not a slam dunk. Uh, I was uh, angry during the last uh, podcast uh, that the charges were only third degree murder. I thought it should be first. They have been upgraded to second. Um, we'll see what happens. T. Petty uh, has mentioned in the past that, you know, we know how sometimes these cases go, but, you know, hopefully they'll dot their I's, cross all their T's. You know, I expounded upon what I thought should be two things, um, someone kneeling on the neck of an animatronic robot to show the pain, suffering, and injuries that George Floyd suffered before his death. And you just... Uh, also have nine minutes of silence and you tell the jury that this is how long his neck was knelt upon and you just have silence in that courtroom. And if that doesn't illustrate the case as to why there should be a conviction of second degree murder, I don't know what will. So we'll see how this comes in uh, upcoming uh, months uh, to come. I'm hoping that there'll be some type of verdict trial etc in this by the end of 2020 but we'll see what happens let me weigh in on something real quick nookie yes ma'am so the person that will be prosecuting this case is the ag of minnesota who is keith ellison okay um who basically has built his career on police brutality cases and he is the one who upgraded the charges from third to second degree murder so 
uh, that the person who's prosecuting that gives me a, a little bit more confidence but we'll see what happens we'll Absolutely. see and Nikki, I, I will add to um i hope they read the words that you just read as mm -hmm. well in the courtroom yep so i don't know if you you know i'm, I'm pretty sure they're thinking about it but you know maybe we should send this podcast to um uh, Keith Ellison uh, with a note to like, please read his words in the courtroom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right now. So y'all know that we've had to do the serious stuff and then sort of shift uh, uh, gears as far as the podcast is concerned. Uh, two positive things that have come out of the riots and protests uh, in Philadelphia. Dr. Kerry Ann Perkins and Michael Gordon yesterday were celebrating. They celebrated their wedding in Philadelphia amidst the protest when a large group of protesters passed by them at uh, Benjamin Franklin Parkway in Center City. The crowd cheered and the couple decided to go ahead and join the protest in a tuxedo and a wedding dress. So that positivity, T. Petty, out of the protest, what's your reaction on that? Well, when I first saw it, I was like, no, these motherfuckers did not just try to have like a viral moment. But then I read more about it and it was totally spontaneous and unplanned. So I'm here for it. And I think that it illustrates the black struggle. So in the midst of pain, anguish, all the emotions that we're feeling in this moment that the black community has felt over and over again, in the midst of it all, we still have joy. Absolutely. Uh, Idris, a wedding in the middle of a protest, is that a microcosm of the last 400 years in America? You better believe it, because like back, black people can find joy even in the worst situations. You know, the thing that I've been loving about the protests, um, T. Petty and Nookie, is people dancing at the protests, people breaking out in the electric slide. And you know it ain't no black wedding without the electric slide. Everybody got to do that. And the thing that I love, too, I was watching this video, and this sister was in handcuffs. She was a, a, being arrested, and she was there just twerking. <laughs> she was twerking it. She was twerking it. And I was like, it was like, what a statement about, like, black bodies, right? Like, even in the, in the midst of the greatest despair, right, it's about the black body and dancing. And, like, you know, it, it's, it's so symbolic. So there's this joy in these moments as well of, of, like, resistance, the joy of kind of, like, fighting, you know, fighting racism, the struggle that, uh, that we've experienced, but we endure, that brings joy. So I'm, I'm glad to see that out there as well. We need that. Okay, I just want to say one thing on that. Yes. The dancing, when they're doing it with police officers, fuck that. Because when the sun goes down, they're the same ones spraying tear gas and shooting these so-called rubber bullets. So I'm not about to be dancing with you, motherfucker. But I'll dance with my people, but not you. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Again, totally. performative bullshit, and I'm not here for none of that. Totally understand. One of my favorite viral videos that came out this week was uh, the lady, you gonna lose your job. So yeah. um, they showed the original video. It looked like a woman was being detained unlawfully. We'll see what becomes of that. But during the time when she was handcuffed, um, she was just saying, you're going to lose your job, doing her little dance and stuff. And then uh, one of the famous uh, internet remixers, Sway, the remix guy, remixed it, you're going to lose your job. So Google that, you're going to lose your job. And uh, that is absolutely great. And uh, I love that video. So just a little. I, have, I haven't heard the remix, Nick. We're going to have to play oh, it on. The remix is amazing. The remix and is fire. The yes. police officer who was holding her arm, he couldn't even keep a straight face. That shit was funny. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, Google that. Uh, you're going to lose your job in the remix. It's uh, great. Hey, you're listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Remember, we are available anywhere you find podcasts. We want you this week, your homework assignment is to tell a friend, a neighbor, and a loved one. So that's three people about the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Have them download, subscribe, rate, and review. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. So as we drop these podcasts, we want to continue to uh, keep you guys informed keep you guys laughing but uh we are trying to to grow our podcast we love you listening we appreciate the support but remember a 
friend, a loved one, and a family member. Tell them to download, subscribe, rate, and review, and we get all your feedback. So remember, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We're on Instagram, at The Digital Gumbo, on Twitter, at The Digital Gumbo. And of course, you can always email the show. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear what you have to say, good, bad, or indifferent. The Digital Gumbo at gmail.com. Projects and police brutality, that was the regular Calling on God, but don't nobody got a cellular They want to grind and mainstream me the way they loving it I got a harder job than Donald Trump publicists So, uh, one of the things I failed to talk about Portland, Oregon, you know on the West Coast they do things a little bit differently Caesar, the no drama llama Was spotted at many of the protests in Portland, Idris, you know we have a healthy slash unhealthy fascination with animals with this podcast, Caesar the No Drama Llama at the... For the protests. So when people get like, you know, they can't take it, they go over there, they kind of hang out with Caesar, maybe rub on his fur a little bit. And I don't know, is it camels or llamas that spit? So maybe he, he's spitting at the police or something. I don't know what llamas do, but like, you know, maybe he can stand between the police and a black body too. Like maybe they'll, you know, that'll, that'll protect some of the protesters as well. So I'm, I'm all for animals coming out on, on behalf of the protesters and of Black Lives Matter. I think everybody should be like saying that and supporting it. Absolutely. I think llamas and camels do spit, but hopefully, uh, you know, the uh, spit uh, from Caesar was directed in the right direction. Uh, T. Petty, Caesar, the no llama drama in Portland. No worries. This is what I want to know. Where, who's keeping a llama as a pet? What is he doing his off time? Like, I want to understand more. And what's his name? The no drama llama? Like, what? Yeah, Caesar the no <laughs> drama llama. I, just, I don't understand. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's Caesar now. I'm, <laughs> I'm on do not disturb. I promise I am. But shit, <laughs> my baby called me, and so she's on the exempt list. She's the only one. Sorry, y'all. Wait, your, ba- your baby is out there protesting. So, like, he is answer protesting. that call. So. Answer that call. Make sure. She all right. I'm about I'm about to see right now if she's okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so we'll uh we'll go ahead and continue on. So uh, real quick, the rest of the uh, police report rundown. Uh, first and foremost, they didn't pissed off uh, Kunta Kinte, actor Lavar Burton tweeted out the following: "Don't fuck with me today, people. Today is not the day." Now, do you know how angry people must have made? LeVar Burton, Kunta Kinte himself, Mr. Reading Rainbow, to have him tweet that. They're going to go ahead and, and remix the theme song for Reading Rainbow. Butterfly in the sky, I punch you in your eye. Don't fuck with, read a book, you fucking crook. Reading Rainbow. T. Petty, they done pissed off LeVar Burton. Everybody has their breaking point. Like, I did not see... LeVar Burton cussing everybody out, but I'm here for it. You know I'm here for somebody getting cussed out. And if it coming from LeVar Burton, that makes it that much better. So don't fuck with him because he's had it with all this bullshit. There it is. Adrice Kunta Kente is mad and tweeted as such. You say what, sir? LeVar Burton, the guy from Reading Rainbow, is fed up with racism? T. Petty and Nookie, I saw that tweet he put out. I, I, it was it was lovely. I enjoyed reading every second of it because I know how he felt. It's like you so fed up at this point. You don't have any other way to get it out than just like, don't mess with me. Leave me alone. Don't, don't even come with it today. And Nookie, you're right. I think he should like read a book about racism, how not to be racist, how to be anti-racist. That should be his, his next book that he can come out with. And I would definitely buy it. Absolutely. Should be a new special, new reading rainbow special. It could be a teachable moment for the children. Look, if you didn't piss off LeVar Burton now, you didn't really piss somebody off, but uh, we'll see what happens. And that's a great idea, uh, uh, Adris, in terms of uh, LeVar Burton narrating and reading a book about racism. We'll see what the good folks at PBS do about that. Okay. Um, the rest of the police report, again, uh, cries uh, for police departments to be defunded across the country. Major cities, uh, obviously uh, two of the largest cities in America, uh, Los Angeles and New York, uh, spent billions on policing. And uh, there's a, 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 a 
tide has shifted in terms of defunding the police, using uh, monies and revenue, tax dollars. Essentially, people are paying tax dollars to get their ass whooped. And that fucking uh, pro uh, proposal, that proposition, that uh, thing just doesn't work uh, in any way, shape, or form. So people are now um, waking up and asking for those uh, police departments to be uh, defunded. We'll see uh, how this goes uh, going forward. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Buffalo Police Department. Peaceful protest in front of Buffalo City Hall. A 75-year-old man was knocked over, uh, hit his head against the concrete, bled out. Two officers there charged with uh, uh, second-degree assault. Uh, they were summarily dismissed from the police department. So we'll see what uh, happens with that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video, uh, Idris, uh, of the gentleman being uh, knocked over and his head being busted open in Buffalo. But to that, uh, what's your reaction to, uh, you know, that uh, senior citizen being knocked over and had his head cracked open by the police? Yes, I saw that video. And for folks who, who didn't see it, it was a line of police officers, maybe about, you know, 40, 50 of them kind of marching forward. And this elderly, you know, white gentleman kind of is in the frame or steps into the frame. And he looks like he's, he's talking to the officer or asking a question or something. But they just keep moving. And one of the officers pushes him with a lot of force. And he falls back, hits his head on the concrete. And there's a pool of blood coming from the man. And one officer goes to reach down and help him. The other officer, like, shoes the officer away. And they just keep moving forward. And they didn't render aid to him. So it was horrific to watch that. And it was just another example of police brutality. Uh, the crazy part about that is that um, the two officers who were involved, they did the pushing, um, they were suspended. But then the other 50 officers resigned from that unit in protest. So that's the truly alarming point, point is that folks would see police officers doing something wrong and other police officers, one wouldn't um, support the officer who was assisting them, but then the rest of the officers kind of give it a pass. So that's, that's the crazy part about that story. Absolutely. Uh, T. Patty, your thoughts on the video? Have you seen that? And just a reaction to it. I have seen it. And first reaction is police officers are doing this shit to elderly white men knowing full well they're on video what do you think been happening to us all this time? So first point. Second point is, of course, those other 50 officers resigned from that unit in protest. You know why? Because that whole it's only a few bad apples is some bullshit. They are all complicit. Fuck them for real. So you have almost 60 people on your police force who are okay. And okay with brutalizing an elderly man in broad daylight lying about it, saying that he tripped, and then you mad because the people that did it got suspended, so you just gonna be like, fuck it, I don't wanna even have anything to do with this unit anymore, but they're still on the payroll. They should all be fired, fuck all of them, fuck the police, defund the police. They are a, an enemy of the people. Like, they're being paid to brutalize us. Over half of a lot of cities' budget goes toward the police. Meanwhile, schools are fucked up. Infrastructure is fucked up. There's no community programming because why the police are sucking up over half of these cities' budgets to do what? Protect and serve? Not in my lifetime. See, Patty, I want to add to that because you, you were talking about, you know, the defunding of the police. Just imagine if you just cut police budgets by 10% and applied it to other challenges and issues that a city is facing to either help black communities, help young people, like you would alleviate a lot of the challenges in cities. But it's been so hard saying that for so long to defund the police, even by 10% or 15% or 20%. My hope is that now that that conversation around defunding police means cities think hard about how, how they focus and where they focus their resources. And exactly. for, for so long, it's just been to the police. It should be in other places as well. Well, you won't need, first of all, <laughs> they're not even effective at their jobs. Crime rates are pretty steady or declining slightly. 
So building more and more jails, putting more and more police on the street, militarizing them, outfitting them like they're going to fight a fucking war instead of patrolling the streets and providing safety, a public service. Like, it's not doing any good anyway. So that money needs to go toward, like we said, schools, programs, education, infrastructure, the things that will materially improve people's lives so that crime does not need to be an option. People commit crime. Well, some people just say shit. But people commit crime because they feel desperate, right? So let's remove those barriers. Let's get on the prevention side of things rather than you trying to beat people into submission because that shit does not work anyway and it costs city millions and millions of dollars so not just the taxpayer money that's going toward their regular budget but who pays for all these wrongful death lawsuits these excessive police brutality stuff taxpayers that doesn't come out of the police pension fund we end up paying for bad cops over and above what we already give them during their regular appropriation. Like, this is all bullshit, and it all needs to be dismantled. Absolutely. Just three quick points. So one, T. Petty, you referred to this uh, during uh, a previous podcast, the militarization of the police departments that started in California under uh, then uh, Governor Ronald Reagan. Uh, we've seen uh, the progression of that uh, time and time again. The gentleman uh, is uh, in serious but stable conditions, appears to have suffered a... Uh, uh, a concussion. So we'll see uh, how his uh, recovery uh, takes place. We'll see also what happens uh, uh, with the case of the two officers charged with assaulting the gentleman. But I want everybody to go and uh, look at a documentary called Peace Officer, which uh, really explains the the militarization uh, of the police departments again since that time uh, in the age of Reagan and, and where we are now. And, and hopefully the defund the police uh, movement will uh, go ahead and, and move forward. But, um, you know, it'll uh, be a very interesting uh, documentary for everybody to check out. Peace Officer, P-E-A-C-E Officer. Uh, one and what other, platform is that on, sir? Uh, it'll be on all platforms. If you just Google it, uh, all your streaming devices, um, you'll be able to find that anywhere. Peace Officer, P-E-A-C-E Officer. Um, it's a very interesting documentary. I learned a lot from it. And I think uh, in those, uh, in the sort of time and age that we are now, a lot of people could learn from that. Again, the documentary is called Peace Officer, P-E-A-C-E, Officer. Don't want to give too much of the uh, plot away, but it is a documentary. It's great. I really liked it. I'm a documentary lover, and I think that everybody can learn from that documentary. Um, really quick thing, shout out to, hey, social media is working. This They have this thing called FBI Twitter. Not associated with the FBI, but the ears and eyes of the community are out there. Uh, they have a man that's been dubbed the Bethesda Bully. An 11-year-old girl who was with her family posting posters, um, um, flyers about a peaceful uh, sort of protest to honor the life of George Floyd was accosted by a 60-year-old man who forcefully grabbed her arms and ripped the flyers about the protest from her arms and sped away on his bicycle. Um, there was many, many views overnight. I think it reached into the hundreds of thousands. The man was eventually identified, turned himself into the police, and of course issued a bullshit apology. But by definition, assault is unwanted touching. The gentleman will be charged with assault on an 11-year-old. T. Petty, the floor is yours. I don't understand how he got away from that scene and had to turn himself in two or three days later after a Twitter FBI tracked his ass down. To have the motherfucking caucasity to put your hands on somebody else's kid for putting up posters because it offends you, bitch, fuck you. I wish whoever that was that was filming would have put that phone down and beat his ass because that's what he deserved. You put your hand on my kid, my kid is almost 30, and I will fuck you up right now. An 11-year-old? Are you fucking kidding me? Please. Absolutely. Uh, Adrice, you're the dad of a preteen. The little girl, uh, as this monster grabbed her arm and twisted those flyers out of her arm, you could hear her screams on the video. I don't know if you've seen that, but you as a father preteen father to a preteen and something like that happens your reaction would be what look i I couldn't have been there 
Cause I would have been the one probably going to jail. Cause he he, he would have died right then on the spot. And if I wasn't there, I tell you what, I would be on Twitter. I was like, you got to like nine o'clock to turn yourself in. Cause if you don't turn yourself in and I find you before the police find you, you're going to wish you had turned yourself in. And you know, the other thing that you knew he was crazy, he was wearing biker shorts. He was on like a, <laughs> one of them carbon fiber bikes Sorry. had the little bike shoes on, <laughs> like walking around, strutting around. I was like, you know, so you could tell he was already crazy. And um, T. Patty, what was that word you used? Caucasity. Caucasity. <laughs> Could you define that for the lovely digital gumbo listening audience? Now, y'all know what that is. Caucasity is what causes Karen to Karen and what caused this old-ass white man to put his hands on somebody else's kids. It's them thinking that because they're white, they can do whatever the fuck they want to with no consequence. And they're finding out that Caucasity has a consequence. Mm, mm, mm. Caucasity, Caucasian, audacity, hashtag Caucasity. Remember who coined the phrase first, T. Petty, a member of the crew here at the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Now, Listen, you know, I, I have to give credit where it's due. Yes, I ma'am. that from Black Twitter. Okay, and okay. I've been using it for a while, but it just seemed appropriate for the situation at hand. I don't want to, you know, appropriate somebody else's words. Someone, uh, some other comedic genius came up with caucasity. I just use it liberally. Fair enough. Perpetuating the use of the hashtag caucasity. It's a digital gumbo podcast. I'm Nookie Bishop Jr. Joined as always by T. Petty and Adrice Elbow. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at the digital gumbo. You can find us on Twitter at the digital gumbo. Email address for us, the digital gumbo at gmail.com. The digital gumbo at gmail.com. Drinking on driving while texting the speed, and I swear that I ain't going home. You hold my phone and won't leave me alone. I'm blank, Siva, blank, Coca Patron. I'm on Coca Patron. Okay, y'all, let's move into a uh, national politics scene. So uh, the GOP Republicans, they have, after all this mess, just come out and said, we can't support Orange. Um, in terms of uh, the re-election bid and uh, the powers that be uh, on the national stage for Republicans are saying they're trying to put together a strategy as to how they can actually support uh, Joe Biden, uh, Colin Powell, uh, the former president, George Bush, uh, and other prominent Republicans have come out and uh, said that, you know, intimated that they will not uh, support Orange in his uh, re-election bid. We'll see how that goes. Um, Vice President, uh, or he is now the official uh, after the uh, primaries this week, Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee for president. He will be ratified as such uh, at the convention, whether it takes place electronically, in person, or whatever. But he still is um, a little bit on the fence in terms of saying August 1st will be his choice for a, um, for a choice for vice president. So we'll see uh, how this goes. Uh, T. Petty. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, I believe, from Minnesota. Is that correct? Klobuchar, yes. Yes. So she actually, it's come to pass that uh, the coward officer Chauvin, the murderer Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, she declined to prosecute in, I believe, at least one of the 18 charges that were filed against the coward officer murderer Chauvin. So does that preclude her from, you know, sort of moving forward as a vice presidential candidate? She was already precluded as far as I was concerned because, you know, I do my research. It's what I do. And her her track record as it relates to, A, relations with the Black community, her conduct um, when she could have been prosecuting corrupt officers, she did not. So, honestly, fuck her. And I told y'all before, I think last week or maybe the week before, that the only reason she's being considered to carry the Midwest vote, which is cold for white people. More than white people live in the Midwest, uh, hello, including my black ass born and raised there. So Klobuchar is a non-starter. She shouldn't even be on the short list. He needs to move on. There are other people who are much more qualified and who would help with the ticket, not her. 
Absolutely. Adrice, I'm going to give you a list and you tell me who you think uh, might be the vice presidential uh, candidate. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Amy Klobuchar, who has precluded herself, uh, Representative uh, Val Demings of uh, Florida, uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, uh, who is uh, with the Georgia House of Representatives and ran for, for governor in Georgia, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan, again, a possible uh, Midwest candidate, uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Uh, she is a Hispanic uh, governor out of the state of New Mexico. Uh, curious as to whether anybody I just mentioned might be a good vice presidential candidate and or if you have a wild card uh, vice presidential candidate, Idris Elbow. You know, for a vice president, it definitely should be a black woman. And for me, it's between Kamala um, and Val, those those two. And I think I would give it to Val just because um, Kamala, like, she's wonderful. She's great. Um, they both have experience when it comes to kind of law enforcement and criminal justice reform. But um, I think Val is a little bit more kind of edges Kamala out in, in that respect. I think, um, you know, as a vice president candidate, she'll bring a little bit more um, to the table, but Kamala is great as well. Um, the thing I want to say about Klobuchar, well, I was never hot on her anyway. I was never consider her or want her to be vice president. But what she did the other day when Keith Ellison was about to Ooh. announce the charges, right? He had a scheduled press conference, I think four o'clock that day, he was going to announce the charges. Amy Klobuchar jumped the gun and announced it on Twitter. Just, just, just stole the announcement from the, from the brother, mm. you know? And so, so that right there, that, that told me everything I need to know about, about Klobuchar right there. Call Cassidy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. Also on the national front, Chinese hackers are targeting the personal email accounts of campaign staff members working for former vice president, Joe Biden, uh, Google actually came out and said that. They also confirmed previous reports that Iran has targeted uh, Orange's uh, campaign. Uh, T. Petty, is this the bullshit from 2016? Here we go again. I mean, other other uh, nations have already saw from what happened in 2016 that they can do this kind of stuff with impunity and it won't matter. So, of course, they're going to keep trying. When they saw how this country acquiesced to that bullshit that Russia pulled. So, well, I mean, we just gonna have to get used to this is what it is. So hopefully these campaigns, well, I don't give a fuck about um, habanero Hitler and what they do, but hopefully uh, there is some tight cybersecurity around the Joe Biden campaign and they conduct themselves accordingly because this stuff is not gonna stop until the United States decides to do something about it. And that's not going to happen with this current administration. So campaigns, I'd be prepared because it's going to be happening fast and furious. Absolutely. Adrice, uh, looks like the hackers internationally are doing their work. Uh, what's your reaction on that, bro? First, uh, to just props to T. Petty, habanero Hitler. Like you just killing them today with the terms. This is like <laughs> on fire today. <laughs> But listen here, when it comes to this, like, hacking, right, the true problem is that in the United States that we have so much racism, white supremacy, and issues with people's civil rights that foreign actors are exploiting that. They're not creating it, right? They're, they're, they're picking at a wound that's been there since the very beginning, and I don't care what you do, how you crack down on social media platforms, whatever you do, until you fix that original sin that comes from slavery, from white supremacy, the country is going to be vulnerable. And the only thing that's changed is the ability for people to like exacerbate that. And that's all they're doing. They're not, they're not creating this. They're not making it up. They're taking something that already exists and just picking at it. And until the United States figures out how to fix that, we're always going to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Totally agree. Really quickly, um, we talked about this. Uh, it's not going to be so much of the computer hacking, but that, again, the postal system needs about an $800 million injection of funding to uh, 
stave off sort of being bankrupt uh, as early as September of this year. We talked about how easy it is to go ahead and hijack an election through the mail system. I never got your ballot, blah, 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 this, that, and the third. You can have all the safeguards in there that you want to, but if you don't get something in the mail, you don't get it in time, time's up, and funny things can happen. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, T. Petty, your predictions on how this is going to roll out from the way too early uh, sort of section of things. How is this going to play out with the election in the fall? With the mail-in ballots? Just uh, the presidential uh, election outcome in general. This is going to be a, a, a pure shit show. So the uh, voter suppression efforts have gone unchecked. They will continue to go unchecked because of historical reasons that we all know, the gutting of the Voting Rights Act under the Roberts Supreme Court with his punk ass. And then the attacks immediately thereafter in, in Democratic-led um, or Demo counties and municipalities that vote Democratic. So that's going to continue. The challenges to um, allow voting by mail will continue. Y'all boy, uh, whatever, 45, he has already laid the groundwork, he and his minions, about how voting by mail is, is rife with fraud and all this kind of bullshit, even though the fact the only fraud that's been discovered lately is his own or registering to vote in Florida with a, a non-Florida address. So that's the only fraud I've heard about. Um, and when the results come in, let's say that our preferred candidate, Joe Biden, wins. He's going to refuse to leave office. We all know it. He's already laying the groundwork. And so the question before us is what plans are being put in place to figure out what to do when that becomes an eventuality. He's not going to concede. He's going to say it was fraudulent. The GOP is not going to do shit to stop him. So what happens on, in Jan January 20th, 2021, when it's time for Joe Biden to take the oath of office and Trump refuses to leave? We will be in a true constitutional crisis and what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody knows. So I think we should be worried, extremely worried. Gotcha, gotcha. Adrice, your thoughts on how this uh, presidential uh, election is going to turn out from the way too early department? What's going to go down uh, on November 3rd? The only thing I can guarantee is that there will be controversy yep. based on, on this, based on everything T. Petty has, has been saying. I'll give you an example of this is um, in Baltimore, Maryland, um, they just had the uh, mayoral election, you know, city council race. That was a, a mail-in ballot. Um, they had lots of issues, one, with getting the ballots out to people, right? So that's, that's a, a, another thing is making sure folks get the mail-in ballot. And then the other thing is once ballots were kind of turned in, they haven't, like, counted all of them yet. So they had some discrepancy in, in figuring out how to count that. So you don't know who won the race. And this is about, like, a week. It's been a week now. And so even if you have, like, small jurisdictions who are struggling with this, you know, then imagine it nationwide. And the thing that you need at this moment is like, if we know that a lot of the election hinges on kind of mail-in ballots, we should be building up and supporting that system, right? Supporting the ability of people to vote and not suppressing that ability to vote. But you have a, a president who's at every turn trying to demonize mail-in ballots and trying to block and prevent. So you know from the, from the very beginning that he's already pushing it, trying to cause controversy. So if we don't get this right, it is gonna be horrible. And you can, you can see the telltale signs right now. And if we don't do anything to intervene and make that system better, it's gonna be bad come November. Yeah, totally agree on uh, both points. Uh, just let me say this. You're spot on in terms of these uh, trickle-in results because of the absentee balance or the mail ballots coming in. That's going to be valid, no problem. Uh, again, uh, T. Petty, in terms of you saying that uh, uh, Orange is going to refuse to leave the right house, I think that's also accurate. I think what happens is two things. One, hacktivists and online activists will continue to expose Orange and his administration for their fraud. And two, uh, the results, once they trickle in and all tabulated, I believe Mr. Biden will win. And I think that all bets are off. Come January 21st, all criminal charges will be filed against Orange, who will be in a state of purgatory as far as his candidacy or his presidency is concerned. 
put the cuffs on him and have every camera in America show him coming out of the White House with handcuffs on, take his ass to jail, good night, throw away the key, uh, defog and deep clean the White House of all their <laughs> nasty germs and let's start fresh come 121-21, but we'll see what happens. Nikki, I, I got a prediction. Okay. I think I think Trump will flee to Russia like Eric Snowden. Mm-hmm. I think I think he will, he will be right there, find sanctuary right there in Russia, and then we'll find out everything that happened and all the connections that we know is there. It'll all come to light. I think the Russian PP tapes and Orange's involvement with prostitutes and other type of sexual deviancy and perversion may uh, come out, but. Again, we'll see. It's a, it's a wide, wide gamut as far as everything is concerned. You're listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. I'm your host, Nookie Bishop Jr., joined as always by T. Petty and Adrice Elbow. You can find us on Instagram at the Digital Gumbo, on Twitter at the Digital Gumbo, and of course, you can always email us, the Digital Gumbo at gmail.com, the Digital Gumbo at gmail.com. Okay, y'all, we got a few uh, rapid-fire segments. Just need one or two sentences on these things. We're going to have some fun with the rest of the stuff. You good? I'm good. Let's go. All right, here we go. Uh, You know who goes hard in the paint? Sesame Street. They had the uh, special earlier this year about the pandemic. Uh, Yesterday, uh, about the riots and the protests, they also had a uh, special on educating the children about um, the protest and and questions that children may ask. Uh, We also had the return of Louie who is um, Elmo's daddy. So your thoughts on either one of those things. Um, CNN and uh, Sesame Street going hard with the protest to educate the children. And y'all thoughts on Louie, Elmo's daddy. Go, T. Petty. I mean, Louie a real one. We saw what he said. His explanation was dead on. Uh, so Sesame Street getting the job done where some people's president can't. They've managed to put together a response using some fucking hand puppets that made sense, was age appropriate, did not scare the kids, but provided them with the background of what they needed to understand what's happening. So my hat's off to Sesame Street, as always. I love, I just love that show. I do. Even though my kid is way, way grown. It's all right. Hey, the kids uh, can learn from that. Adris, you have uh, school-age children, so your thoughts on um, the Sesame Street uh, sort of special as far as the protests were concerned? You know, like, racism is so ingrained in America, right, that a show like Sesame Street has to do an entire special on it to explain it to the children of our country. I think that's one of the saddest moments in America where you have to do something like that. You have to explain this injustice because it's so rampant and it's causing such confusion that now you have to take a kid's show just to explain it to children. We should be ashamed of ourselves as a country. Absolutely. Sesame Street, again, groundbreaking in 1969 where you have a multiracial block and uh, educated the children have been going strong ever since. So hats off uh, to Sesame Street. Okay, y'all. Centers for Disease Control says one third of the people surveyed said that they had uh, used unsafe cleaning practices uh, trying to uh, rid themselves of the coronavirus uh, after Orange uh, uh, invoked bleach and the injection of bleach, uh, either as a joke or for real, in terms of uh, trying to rid uh, Americans of the coronavirus. T. Petty, uh, bleach, you couldn't find it on your buggy app? Uh, The CDC confirms this. I still can't find it because people are stupid. So if this is a case of the trash taking itself out, either through contracting the Rona or injecting, swallowing, otherwise ingesting bleach, then so fucking be it. That would rid the world of a lot of problems. Like, why would you? <sighs> America's mm. deeply stupid, and I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Adris, quickly on the bleach. Look, that is just bananas. Mm-hmm. Uh, T. Petty, I know you haven't been able to find, like, the bleach, you know, that name brand bleach that we all use. But I, um, my wife was able to find some, but she found it in crystal form. I got some. You got it in crystal form? So I listen, Nookie, it is like white crystals that you drop in the water and it dissolves and you have bleach. I bet you there's people out there snorting that right now, T-Petty. 
<laughs> they they snorting those crystals right now. As long as they don't snort up my supply, they can do whatever the hell they want to. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm all about cleanliness, but you know, in terms of the injection of bleach, if these fools didn't get uh, the Mr. Yuck sticker when it was out, then shame on them, and and that's uh, on them. Oh, um, I remember Mr. Yuck. Oh. Mr. I mean, <laughs> the poison. <laughs> it's very simple. It's a very simple thing. I don't understand what it is, but um, we'll we'll see what happens. Again, I'm all for cleanliness, but but not uh, as far as injecting yourself with bleach. So there's that. <laughs> hey, y'all, this DoorDash fraud continues. In April, Apple Applebee's registered the name Neighborhood Wings, and they are selling. Wings now on Grubhub as Neighborhood Wings. And then the barbecue chain, Smoky Bones, uh, began selling uh, their food uh, this month on, uh, on delivery apps under the names The Burger Experience and The Wing Experience, respectively. Adris, is there no integrity in terms of food delivery services and these restaurants changing their name on the fly? Nope, there is none at all. And let me tell you what's going to be next is McDonald's and Burger King. They're going to do gourmet upselling burgers. Well, they ain't going to they ain't gonna change nothing but, uh, <laughs> but the wrapper on them burgers. And they're going to be charging premium prices because that's how capitalism works. It's like it ain't nothing but marketing, smoke screens. So McDonald's going to gonna put their burgers in these special wrappers. They're going to put fries in this little cardboard tube. And it's gonna, they're going to sell it for twice as much. And I wonder what the name of, like, McDonald's, they, what's their cover name? That's what I want to know. Mm, mm, mm. T. Petty, uh, online app restaurant integrity. Well, there is no integrity in capitalism. We know that. I just wonder, are they charging the same prices on, for Applebee's and the bootleg Applebee's, or are they like upcharging and doing that kind of underhanded bullshit? You know they upcharging. That's that. That's their luxury brand. That's <laughs> what no, that is. It's the same that, damn that, food and place. It's it's a it's a luxury brand. Believe it. I know they they marketing people design that one. Like we got we gotta have a luxury brand. Let's call it neighborhood wings. Now y'all know Chuck E. Cheese out here selling the pizza as Pasquale's. <laughs> Pasquale's. And upcharging. Now they're going to be like, it's just not salt on your fries. It's sea salt on your fries. You know they're raising the prices. <laughs> and they be like, this is an oat milk milkshake. No, it ain't. It's the same bullshit chemical shit that you've been sucking down with an oat milk uh, whipped cream. Bullshit. They ain't, they ain't. It's just greed, though, because people are not going to stop buying McDonald's and that mediocre-ass food at Applebee's anyway. So why do you feel the need to try to hook a sham somebody by changing the name up? Because that is capitalism. It is it is about increasing profit margins any way you can. And if the, if adding the value is just marketing, they're going to market. You're right. You're right. Actual, factual. Unbelievable. Uh, one last item, y'all. So Chinese government officials have actually asked Chinese citizens to use utensils, forks, knives, spoons, etc., and stop the use of chopsticks in an event to prevent a respread of the coronavirus. So as in many cultures, food is social uh, and family oriented. And what they're trying to do is prevent the spread of the virus by using the chopsticks in the mouth and then redipping into a communal pot, Ooh. noodles, etc., whatever, in terms of preventing the spread of the coronavirus. T. Petty, Chinese officials are asking Chinese citizens not to use chopsticks. Is that on brand for 2020? And what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so I'm trying to put my own Western sensibilities aside because the idea of double dipping with your chopsticks is fucking disgusting anyway. Why would anybody do that? But I get it. It's cultural. Let me move on. So the Chinese, first of all, the Chinese government asking their citizens to do something. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> OK, sure. I mean, it makes sense to prevent the, uh, uh, a resurgence of the Rona. But how can you even enforce that? You don't know what people are doing in their homes and restaurants that have reopened or whatever. You have no way to monitor that at all. And are people going to change their ingrained cultures that they've been doing for hundreds and thousands of years? Probably not. Yeah. So I don't know how effective this is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adris, no chopsticks in China? What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. I don't get that either. And, you, and you're right, T. Petty. Like, China don't ask you to do nothing. Right. <laughs> they, they, might, they might have phrased it that way, but they were like, watch and see. 
And so, because they got cameras everywhere, so they know what, what you're doing, when you're doing it. And I, I, I feel you on the cultural thing. Like, if your culture is to, like, you share food or you use a utensil and you kind of share food, that's your culture. So I don't care if you got a wooden chopstick or a metal spoon, you still double dipping the metal spoon. Right. So, like, I mean, that's like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's what you do. So are, I don't know how you're going to stop that. Yeah, there are cultures in Africa where you, you eat from a communal dish with your fingers. So right. are people going to stop doing that? I, I doubt it. Yeah. yeah I just don't, don't see that happening. But you know, the crazy part about that, though, is like they wear masks, though, in public and they don't have no problem with it. So, like, you know, it, it, for, for them, like they're, they're following certain health precautions that are actually helping to prevent the spread of the disease. And so I, kudos to them for being willing to recognize and try different stuff and then having the population willing to do it for the greater good. Well, them wearing those masks, though, has to do with perhaps the fear of disease, but also the pollution. Smog, yeah. China is so fucking bad that they have to do it to protect their lungs. So they were doing that anyway, so they didn't choke to death. And so yeah. now a, a positive side effect is that it helps mitigate against the spread of the Rona. Yeah. We'll see what happens. 1.5, 1.6 billion people. That's a lot. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past the Chinese government to stop the manufacture and or import of chopsticks, but we'll see what goes on. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap it up. I got uh, a couple final thoughts and then I'm going to toss it to you guys. Uh, one reports are surfacing right now from the Washington Post that uh, Orange has ordered the National Guard to stand down and to start to withdraw from Washington, D.C. So that's a start. Hopefully it'll happen in other cities. Uh, two, while you're out here in these protests, y'all, as they continue, please wear your masks. Uh, it's been real spotty. A lot of people have. Kudos to y'all. But a lot of people haven't. And God knows what's out there and what they spread into the air. Please, y'all, be safe. I understand the right to protest. I understand your right to, to freedom and, and all those um, constitutional rights. But wear your mask, please. Uh, as Adresa's people would say, uh, wear your mask, it says. And if you're <laughs> in the barbershop and somebody offers you an N97 mask and say it's from Italy or some bullshit like that, that's not protective. Make sure you have the best mask or face covering that you can uh, get and make sure that you're safe out there. And three, um, before I toss to you guys, I want to say happy National Cancer Survivor Day uh, here on June 7th to all the cancer survivors that are out there uh, in our audience and all the family members and strong uh, members of their medical teams and most importantly their uh, family uh, support network who uh, help these folks get through this in insidious insidious disease we love you and um, we just want to uh, make sure that hopefully there'll be some some breakthroughs and that we're able to to put uh, this uh, insidious foe uh, to bed uh, shortly uh, T Patty's ladies first uh, your final thoughts as we close out so the National Guard standing down, all well and good. They should never have been called in in the first place. But let's talk about these, whoever they are, group of people who have been deployed around various spots in D.C., Lincoln Memorial, around the White House, who have no insignia, no name badges, no identifying stuff whatsoever. Who are these people? We have secret police in America now. That's what we need to be worried about. The National Guard is leaving, but is he going to call in whoever the hell these people are to replace them who refuse to say what agency they're with because they're not with any fucking agency? Yeah. So uh, we have so much to be concerned about. I agree and reiterate your plea for us to continue to wear masks in public. Uh, Protests aside, which y'all know I'm all for, but the Rona is still out there. So I'm yes. anticipating a surge in, in uh, infections and deaths in the coming weeks and months, unfortunately. Um, God forbid, but I mean, the odds are not positive. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, and what was your third point? I forgot. Uh, just saying, oh, yes. happy yes. National yes. Cancer Survivors Day. Yes, I have a very close family member who is a two-time cancer survivor. So uh, God bless her. God bless her. Thrilled that she is still here through the care of an excellent medical team. And y'all stay safe out there. We're thinking of you always. Absolutely, absolutely. Adris, uh, your final thoughts on either, any of those subjects or anything else you'd like to expand on, man, as we close out? All right, I think I got three kind of predictions. Sure. Uh, All right. All right. The first is on, on China and them chopsticks. Because oh I was boy. thinking about this. <laughs> oh, no. and believe it or not, like US imports a lot of chopsticks to China. So I think they just doing this 
as a way to kind of further crash the U.S. economy. Watch, we're going to read next week that timber exports in the U.S. kind of dropped because China stopped buying chopsticks. So I think China is just outplaying us on so many levels right now. That's one. The second one is, all right, with all the protests going on, right, you know there's a concern about COVID. You know, mm -hmm. people wearing masks, not wearing masks, right? Mm -hmm. But police officers have not been wearing masks at all. So I think what you're going to see is a dramatic spike in the number of police officers with COVID. Like it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to be there. And my greatest fear around that is they're going to tell the police officers to start wearing masks. And if that happened, oh, Lord, can you imagine police brutality with police wearing masks where you can't identify their face on video? So that's, that's, that's a, another kind of, kind of dark thing. And then my last piece is more of a, a, a kind of lighter prediction is that somebody is going to invent the Black Lives Matter shuffle. <laughs> They're going to be on TikTok and it's going to go viral. Everybody going to be at the protest doing the Black Lives Matter shuffle. Let's not do that, y'all. Somebody going to do it. It, it, it might be coming. It might be coming. I, I totally uh, understand that. Just uh, really quickly, again, we opened up uh, with some words for Prince, uh, June 7th, uh, his birthday. So uh, happy heavenly birthday to Prince Rogers Nelson. This uh, 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 century is uh, Beethoven, played all the instruments, sang all the songs, the music of our lives and so many millions of other people's lives was narrated by him. And then two quick thoughts, y'all, as we close out. Uh, I was pretty uh, angry in terms of what had happened uh, on the previous uh, uh, podcast in terms of the events of the week. I'm a little bit optimistic, a little bit more peaceful. Uh, the Sounds of Blackness said, as long as you keep your head to the sky, and more importantly, our brother Kendrick Lamar said, if God is with us, we're going to be all right. So I think that that's uh, what we have to look forward to. Again, America does have a short-term memory problem. It's a long time now between June and November, but I think if we keep the pedal to the metal, uh, protesters, and we've seen a lot of voter registration drives happening at these protests, and people actually get up, and don't forget on November 3rd to vote. I think we'll be okay. So we'll see what happens. And um, again, hey, we want to give it up to producer E, who again, uh, from four different places, we making this uh, podcast work. So thank you and sh uh, shout out. Thanks, producer E. Producer Eric. And uh, again, you listen to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. We're available wherever you download podcasts. We're on Instagram at the Digital Gumbo. We are on Twitter at the Digital Gumbo. Email address is thedigitalgumbo at gmail.com thedigitalgumbo at gmail.com. Tell a friend, a family member, and a loved one, download, rate, subscribe, and review. Download, rate, subscribe, and review. And we appreciate y'all for that. So stay safe. You guys, I love y'all. We'll see y'all next time. We out? See you we next out. time. Peace. Bye, y'all. T. Right, Patty, check, check on your baby at the protest. Oh, I already did. She's all right. All right. Good. All right. <laughs> love y'all. See y'all next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.